Hey everybody, my name is Alec, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, we've been gone for a couple weeks because I took my first ever trip to Japan. The first, probably of many, but the first. And I got to do such illustrious things like go, and I mentioned this in the description of the news broadcast, but... I got to go uh, look at a Godzilla head in a dodgy part of town. Um, I also got to hang out with two old friends. First of all, someone who has been name-dropped on this podcast frequently, my friend Kie. Hi, Kie. And also an old friend, an older friend than Kie, actually, somebody who I knew before I knew Kie, Um, a friend of mine also from college named Junko. Hi, Junko. You know you'll probably never hear this. Um, unless you're quietly the 6% of people who is listening to me in Japan. Because that's, that's a real takeaway I got from this trip is I don't know who those people are. So, yo, um, shout out to the 6% of listeners who listen to me in Japan. You are the second most listened country on my listening charts. Um, on the charts of what countries listen to me, the third, I think, might be Germany. It's a toss-up between Germany and the UK, usually. But um, on that note, I don't know who the 6% of people are, so thank you, I guess. <laughs> I don't have a personal connection to you. You're just listening to me to listen to me, which will never not be confusing to me because why would you listen to my dumbass? Um, but in any case, I had an incredible trip. I got to do stuff that I never thought I would be able to do. I have all kinds of wild stories that I'll probably um, drop in podcasts from now on. Um, not individual things. Now, I did say that I might do travel logs. I recorded travel logs. I did not release them because I would record them and they'd get lazy and go take a shower or go to dinner or whatever thing. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. But um, that means that I come bearing stories and fun and gifts and all that stuff. Um, but on that note, let's jump into what we're talking about today. And that's a... I'm not even going to say a little show, because it's a big fucking show. They took over most of, Shin, of Shinjuku Station. That's how big this show is. And that's a show called, over on Netflix, called Pokemon Concierge. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, unless you've been living under a rock and somehow discovered a deep into it anime podcast, um, you know what Pokemon is. And you know how Pokemon shows usually go. There's some, there's some variation and there's been some variation over the years, um, but most of that is siloed to a specific thing, siloed to a specific service called, I think it's called like Pokemon TV. And it's got things like Pokemon Champions or a couple other things that are 
kind of fantastic experiments on like what we can do in the Pokemon universe, and they've always kind of done those. And the, and the po- the actual Pokemon anime is kind of the surface level of that. The what it looks like to what it means to experiment in that way is you get things like um the Pokemon the not the current Pokemon show, which I watched an episode of in Japanese um, with Kie um, and criticized it heavily. And Kie was just like, oh, you you know what you're talking about. This is unsettling. I'm like, yeah, I do. Um, but the, 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 uh, the Aloha season, the season before this one, um has a lot of the, like, spirit of experimentation that the Pokemon company has been encouraging in other lesser-known Pokemon animation for years. Um, it's all on Pokemon TV. I think Pokemon TV is even free. You can go find the app, and it's wild. But, um... Then a little weird thing happens. They released a trailer for Pokemon Concierge. And they went in a totally different direction. So before we get much further, I want to um, hand it off to I to give us a just a little synopsis of the kind of plot summary. Pokemon Concierge is a unique addition to the Pokemon franchise. Unlike the traditional Pokemon series that focuses on battles and adventures, this show presents a more relaxed and slice-of-life approach. Set in a Pokemon resort, it centers around the daily activities and interactions between Pokemon and humans at the resort. The series showcases various Pokemon in their natural habitats and explores the bond between Pokemon and humans in a more peaceful, everyday setting. This approach allows for a deeper exploration of the Pokemon world, highlighting the creatures' personalities and behaviors outside of battles. The emphasis is more on storytelling and character development, providing a fresh perspective on the Pokemon universe. Thanks for that. That was that was so much better than I ever would have been able to word that. But on that note, the deal with Pokemon Concierge is it's a it's meant to be a conversation about taking time off. And I I watched I watched a fair bit of it. I haven't full disclosure, I haven't finished it, but it's not, it's not really a show much like the rest of the Pokemon shows that you need to finish to kind of get the vibe of. It's more of, and that's really what it is, it's more of a show that kind of vibes with the viewer. And it's it's really having a conversation about how important it is to take time off and to kind of let yourself be much more unstructured. Because, and I listen to The Verge all the time, the, the Verge cast for the tech website, The Verge. And they recently, um, actually, the on the day that I'm recording this, I listened to it, but I think it came out on Monday. Actually, it probably came out today. Um, they had a episode all about, first, the first thing was the, the Mac computer, the Apple Mac turned 40, and they talked about that. But the second thing they talked about, because usually on the Wednesday shows they split it in two, was about pro- productivity software and about like how to kind of go about it. And the person who they brought on was a really famous, I forget his name, but um, he's a really famous productivity 
YouTuber that like covers all this stuff. And he said, kind of just don't worry about it that hard. Don't push yourself to use all this stuff. And he's like, it, if it feels good to use, you'll probably keep using it. If it's dry as dirt, you won't. But <clears throat> kind of a level deeper than that is there's so much, and they mentioned this, there's so much of like, you could call it hustle culture, you can call it productivity, whatever you want. But there's so much pressure to like work and for work to be your life and to like to achieve to push and to like hit your goals or whatever the hell especially around now when it's like um new year's and there's new year's resolutions and everybody's trying to trick themselves into being better people the the whole nine of it i don't think it's i don't think it's a accident that this show came out at the end of the year, close to when people are starting to think about what they want their New Year's resolution to be. And the reason why I say that is because this show presents you with the main character, Haru, who has... She hasn't had the worst time of it, but she's had a, like, string of bad luck that compounds and compounds and compounds to just kind of grind you into into nothing and make you a little ball of stress and misery that leads you to be um want to just remove yourself from it. And that's what she ends up doing by taking a job as the titular Pokemon concierge. Now I'm gonna pause here and give you a little personal background on yours truly, just so you have an idea of like how much I appreciate that entire thing. I, I by no means hate my job, but also it's not the thing I would do if I could, if someone said, what would you do? I would probably not say this, but my thing is also, I probably wouldn't say anything else, if that makes any sense. And this is, this is the truth of a lot of people that a lot of like the world doesn't want to admit is that lots of people aren't doing jobs that are their passion. They have like no passion behind it. I, there are things about what I do that I like, but there are things about what I do that just annoy the shit out of me. And the pressure that comes along with what I do is a thing that gets to me quite often. And that eventually just makes me a miserable person. And one of my favorite things about going to Japan for three weeks was I wholly removed myself from my life and just was a different place for 19 days. And it was glorious and amazing and more than I ever... It was one of the few things I've done with my life that didn't fail to meet or exceed expectations at every moment and that's that's really rare for people but also people try and tell you that you should love what you do but the reality for some for lots of people is that they don't love what they do and that switching into doing something that they love 
is so much more than they may be prepared to do at the time that you can't blame them for not taking the leap because for so many people taking the leap means real financial danger and therefore like physical and and you know mental danger that just you we shouldn't be asking people to do that all the time and so much of especially american culture is you know be an entrepreneur do what you love you know push 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 hustle culture bullshit and this show definitely pokemon concierge definitely takes uh, aim at a different kind of work culture. It's clearly taking aim at Japanese work culture, which is very different. It's just very different. And it's even more different now that, like, work from home is a thing. For example, Kie, hi, Kie, only goes into an office, I think, like, two days a week. Um, and she wishes she could go in less. I know that for a fact. She told me, like, last week. But... That, like, that work culture has been toxic for years. And it's very easy to allow it to be toxic just still. One of the... So a, fu so a fun anecdote that I, that, I, that I have from my trip is... After I was done with Kyoto and Osaka and I had come back to Tokyo via the Shinkansen, it was our first night... It was me and Kia's first night hanging out. And I stayed with her for about three days and then I stayed... Um, in Akihabara in a hotel by myself for another eight where I still kept, we still kept doing stuff because we were both in the same city and we are best friends for life until, or in her words, until we die. <laughs> um, but she, she took me to a restaurant, to a, uh, like a, not like a little bit bigger than an izakaya, but not much. Um, and if you don't know what an izakaya is, izakayas are these, like, tiny bars that can maybe fit 12 people max, maybe 13 or possibly 20. This was, this was, she described it as a themed restaurant, and, like, if you know anything about Japanese culture, you can see that in it. But it was not like it was Dave and Buster's or, like, Applebee's. It was, like, a Japanese-themed restaurant. If you've ever seen, um, the scene in the, um in the first season of Tokyo Vice, where they're in a restaurant, um, one of those scenes it looks eerily close to this. But when we got there, A, they confused our party with uh, our reservation with another reservation under the same name, Kato, that was supposed to be six people, which we felt bad about, but also didn't feel bad about. <laughs> um, but... We walked in and we saw this table full of businessmen. And it was this, and it was like, it was kind of like you everything you've ever heard about drink, like business drinking culture in Japan. And at the end of the table, by herself, was one singular female employee. And I said to Kie, I'm like, oh, that sucks if it means what I think it means. And she knew exactly what I was talking about. She knew that I meant that, like, there's a possibility. And she said they probably don't make her do that. They like, they, there's a fair chance that they wouldn't make that, like, the expectation wouldn't be there, there for her to do that. 
But there's a possibility that she could have had to pour everybody's drinks and attend to everybody, and it sucks. So baked in, what I'm trying to say is baked into the premise of the show is it's kind of important that Haru is a female character because that's a very different work culture environment than if it was just a dude. If it was just like the equivalent of Larry from Pokemon Scarlet, from Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. <laughs> Larry, the infamously put upon <laughs> businessman gym leader. But the other thing about this show is, and it just adds to the collective vibe of it, it's, it's entirely stop motion. Every character is a custom made doll, which I'm sure at some point they will sell. And every Pokemon is a custom-made little... For the, like, scaly Pokemon, they're, like, slick, and they're almost, like... It's, like, shiny modeling clay. But for, like, a, the Psyduck in this show, it's a felted little moving stop-motion Psyduck, and it's adorable. And the whole... So the whole premise of the show is just... is getting Haru to, like let go and like take a different approach to working that isn't so regimented and calculated and like controlled and what it ends up what it ends up meeting kind of what it ends up meeting you the viewer and Haru the character is she does do the kind of, like, research and intensive, like, work work that you associate with work. But she also has to kind of let go and let, like, live and let live in a way that is just... That's not very... That's not, that is not very encouraged in, um, in modern work culture. And... This is so. There's a great, there's a, there's a great scene in the first episode of Mad Men, and that scene is when Don Draper just goes and takes a three-hour nap. <laughs> he does a, he does like one thing, and then he closes his door, locks it, and he goes to sleep on the couch in his office. And what that's meant to demonstrate is a kind of freedom in creative work that lots of creative don't, just don't have. They just don't have it. But that is, in its way, necessary. There's a great quote that's been following me around um, social media a little bit that says, creative need time to just do nothing. Like, and uh, that's important because you need, you need time to let your brain kind of wander and expand and figure out what's possible in order to be able to present the best solution to whatever creative problem you're trying to solve. And so much of work culture, especially in a corporate environment, that's not that, and this is a key point, is not creative, but even that is creative, doesn't allow for that. Even in my job, I'm constantly pressing for longer deadlines, for you know, a defined deadline that's not as quick as possible because that gives more time, not just for, like, 
stuff to for for me to think through the pro whatever the problem I'm trying to solve is, but also for stuff to go wrong, because so much of so much of the stress that comes along with work is not about the fact that this stuff can't get done. It's about the fact that it's not getting done in the in the like time slot that's been allotted to it. And if you're you know working and you're working with deadlines and you're constantly not meeting your deadlines, the thing I would tell you is probably to um, sit with the person making the deadlines, whether it's you or somebody else, and just examine, like, are these realistic? Like, does this need to be longer? And if so, why? And, like, what... And if you make those longer, my bet is you'll have less pressure on you, you'll meet the deadline more easily, and you'll be kind of generally happier. And so much about, and I forget the side character's name, the like lovely older woman who's that, who's like the head of the um, hospital, who's the like head hostess at the um, Pokemon resort that they're that the show takes place at. But she's for the entire first episode, she's like Haru, just calm the hell down, <laughs> like stop, like stop, don't. You don't need to... She, I, she says something along the lines of, I'm glad you take this so seriously, but that's not what I was looking for, bud. Like, uh, yes, take this seriously, but, like, let yourself relax. Let yourself... And this... This is not always the case, but there's a theory behind why oftentimes... Um, Designer salespeople in like um, Prada or in, in any or even something like a brand like Club Club Monaco in terms of fashion work on um, co a commission basis, and that's because they want to incentivize the employees to make more money so they can afford to dress out of the place they're working at, so they can experience the level of luxury they're selling because it will make it easier for them to sell. One of the reasons why I am uh, somebody who can sell luxury designer goods is because I was a luxury designer for, I was a luxury level designer for many years. <laughs> and I know what the, what the bar is. <laughs> you know, one of the reasons why I can relate to clients who've been all over the world is because I've been all over the world. And if you're like a frantic fucking mess of a person, you're not going to be the best person to help somebody relax or help somebody and their pets relax. So what, um, I think her name is like Miss Yamamoto, I think. Um, says to Haru is like, chill out, calm down, just kind of, and the and this is not uncommon for um businesses to do for businesses like this to do, is oftentimes they'll just be like, yeah, this is your first day, but we're gonna put you in a room and you're going to essentially be a guest for the first day because you need to understand what our guests 
experience is like. What what it is to be at this lovely resort and like just relax and have a nice time and not worry about it. We will worry about actually onboarding you and the whole thing tomorrow. But for now, just like relax and like have the experience you would have um, if you were a guest or a customer. This is a thing that happens all the time in restaurants. It's not, and I'm not talking like Burger King. I'm talking like a sit-down, nice, higher-level restaurant. Oftentimes, if you're, if you ask your server what their favorite dish is, they will have one, and they will have eat it, eaten it a lot, because part of Working at that level of restaurant is you've had the food, you've like you come in as a customer. There's a great story in um I think it I think it's Anthony Bourdain's second book, where he takes I forget the it's one of the like high end, it's like Peugeot or something. Not Peugeot, that's in um New Orleans. Um, but it's um one of the high end restaurants in New York City. He takes for the first time the and he cleared it with the, with the owners and everything, and they were fine with it. Um, he takes the person who prepares the fish at that restaurant to the restaurant for the first time. And this guy is a master at what, he's done, at what he does. He's worked in probably at least, he's worked in dozens of restaurants, but he's never eaten at his own restaurant. And it's this like transcendent moment of like, wow, this rules. <laughs> But often and but oftentimes the the wait staff at some point will eat the food. They just won't eat the food in the like same with the same ambiance and the same like heavy in the same atmosphere as necessarily the customers. But they still get the experience. They they still have like they've tried they've They've drank the wines. They've eaten the food. They can tell you what they like, what you might like, all that stuff. Which is a great tip if you're ever going to like a high end, a halfway decent restaurant. But that isn't that isn't replicable everywhere. It's replicable in kind of the hospitality industry and food services, but it's not replicable in a place like like a standard businessy thing, like a like a corporate like a big corporate thing. You don't really you can't experience that if you're you can't experience what your customer is experiencing if you're an office worker. There's no real way to do that. And it, it's also not a thing that those businesses should think about. But that shows you this kind of transition that Haru has to make in her head of like, no, this like this is part of your this part this is this is an important part of your job of your new job is to relax and experience what it's like to just like just relax and like yes, tick off in your mind. Like, oh, this is something that, this is something I could help with. 
for a customer for for in the show's case the Pokemon. This is something that could change. This is something that couldn't change. That shouldn't change. This is something I need to note. All that stuff. And I do this in my job. I go to you know I go I sell I sell luxury furniture for a living. Um, and I go to show houses and I sit in everything. I've sat in chairs that cost more than most people's rent. <laughs> like, I, which hilariously gives me a really fucked um, sense of value because, like, just like, oh, it's not that chair isn't 10 grand, then I, I guess it's affordable. <laughs> but. It's important for me to have sat in the stuff and to have used the stuff I'm selling because people ask, like, is this thing really comfortable? And I'm like, yeah, if you had a cushion, like, or yeah, you shouldn't need a cushion for this chair. They're insanely comfortable. You can fall asleep in them as is. And customers do ask that. Customers, if you are part of a customer-facing business, you should be prepared to, like, get those questions and, a and answer those questions. And so a perfect example of this is when I was on the plane to, um, to Tokyo, to Japan. My passport slipped out of my bag and slipped under my seat to the seat behind me, which, in my mind... Should not be possible on a plane, but whatever. Um, it probably happened when we hit turbulence at some point. And so I did what you do when you lose something valuable on a plane. I hit the call button. I called the stewardess over. And I said, hey, I can't find my passport. Which, to the two Japanese women who were sitting right next to me, because I was in a window seat and there were two, there were two seats. There was a middle seat and an aisle seat. They were like instantly like, oh no, we need to help this man find his passport. Like just because we need to be good people, which was great and fantastic. The stewardess, however, was like, I don't know what to tell you. There's a right answer there for the record. The right answer is, let's wait until we land and everyone else has disembarked and we'll find it. That's the perfect answer. That's a perfectly reasonable answer. Like... Uh, is any stewardess going to get down on their hands and knees and look for the thing while the plane's in the air? No, that's not safe. But they can still help you. They can still make you feel confident that, like, you're going to be able to get off the plane. Not, I don't know what to tell you. That's bad customer service. But more than that, that's an overstressed worker. And I haven't flown in a while. Uh, actually, that's not true. I flew um, to London, but that was much less. That was a much shorter flight. That was nine hours. Like, you can strap your shit down for nine hours, no problem. Twelve hours each way is a little different. Um, Twelve hours was a lot of turbulence on one of those flights, too. Um, but I have never had... Dude, I've never had a flight crew that was as... 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Bad as I had on my two flights to and from Japan. I was legitimately surprised. I was just legitimately surprised. They, they, like, they let you miss drink service on one flight. There was that answer on the first flight. It's like... And what that says to me is that they're stretched too thin. They're on too many flights. The airline isn't thinking about them as people and isn't thinking about them completely as people. And when the the big surprise here, the big surprise to Haru is that Miss Yamamoto, her boss essentially, is thinking about it barely knows her and is thinking about her as a person. Like what Miss Yamamoto is, at, is asking of Haru is to like just let herself like Haru just calm down, let yourself relax, like relax. It's not it, it, it's not the Stuff will go wrong. We'll deal with it. And this, and it's just a great Verge article that says that um, that Pokemon Concierge is a loving reminder to take a vacation. And that's super true. Pokemon Concierge is a loving reminder to take a vacation. But it's also a loving reminder of what work could be of what work should of what being employed should look like what especially when your employer takes full account of like you as a person so much of working is miserable it's just miserable just any way you slice it no matter what you do it miserable on some level why are we making this shit harder why is there more pressure not less on employees to give you the best service when if you gave them more space to breathe 
if you told them that it was never the end of the world, if you told them that they could relax and like un and like unclench collectively unclench themselves, then they'd be better at the job. Then they then like they'd be happier and they'd be able to provide more people with better experience. Because if you think about what I said about the flight attendant, not a single one of the flight attendants didn't look stressed out. And that's kind of fucked up. Like, uh, the, so, break down what a flight, what the perks of a flight attendant's job are. And there's, like, they, they live in weird dormitory, they have insane, they have insane hours, but that also means that they get to get flown around the world, be put up ostensibly for free, and go to, like, hundreds of countries in, ma in many cases. And if... So if the airlines were more responsible, responsible about the way they scheduled flight attendants and the way they treated their flight attendants and trained them, then they would be less agitated they would you would get less flight flight attendants who didn't give the answer who didn't give that the answer i mentioned before about my about my passport sliding into the seat behind me you'd get more flight attendants who gave the correct answer or who even an even better answer there the, the answer that i enacted was hey it was to the person behind me like hey is there a little red book there because i keep my passport in a little red leather bound thing and he was like oh yeah slid on the seat here you go I'm like thank you so much he's like no problem and that was probably because he heard the flight attendant give that answer and it's just it's so much easier to treat people with humanity and, and like I said as much as this show is a loving reminder to go on vacation. It is also a loving reminder of, you know, your job doesn't need to be like punching yourself in the face every morning when you go to work. It can be, it, if we all treat each other better, we'll all be, we'll all be able to give the next person down on the list, down on the, down on the ladder, better treatment because we're getting better treatment. You know, so much of when you get shit from your boss is because they got shit from their boss. And just imagine if that didn't happen. Just imagine if, like, you had a Miss Yamamoto who was just so understanding and patient and just, like, encouraged you to take the time you needed to do what you needed to do. Um, and yes, and, and that's not to say that Miss Yamamoto didn't, like, reprimand Haru. She did. She was like, this is when Haru gave her, like, an itemized report on her first day, Miss Yamamoto was like, that wasn't what I was asking for, bud. <laughs> 
But it was gentle. It wasn't like it wasn't chiding. It didn't make Haru feel like less than a person. And I think that's lots of people's automatic mode when they criticize other people is to criticize them like at their core in a way that's like personally hurtful. And it's just like I that's not worth it. And it should it shouldn't and if you if you're someone who's listening to this and somehow you're in charge of another person, give that real thought. Like give it thought that, you know, you don't know what that person's life is like. You don't know if they stepped in gum, if a bird shat in their hair. You don't know. Like don't we shouldn't be adding to other people's agitation like like we constantly do. We shouldn't so Back when I was, um, back when I was very underemployed, like back when I was unemployed, when I was, because I graduated, I graduated college um, with a graphic design degree um, in the middle of the recession, like at the peak of it. And I had to go look for a job. And I, I'll never forget this because I was so... I, w- I was so pissed that I that I took it out on this lady, which I think she deserved, and you'll understand why in a second. I called about a position, and the receptionist would not let me speak to the hiring manager. She just wouldn't let me do it. Wouldn't let me. Wouldn't let me pat. Wouldn't let me like get an email address. Wouldn't let me pass to her. On, in terms of a phone call, it was so difficult. And she's like, you're probably not blah, 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 blah. And I, I, at that point, did not care about getting the job. This was already a lost cause to me. I ripped into her in a way that I don't do very often because I am fully capable of being maximally hurtful to any human being within earshot. <laughs> I just, I know how to do it. I just know, I know how to, I know how to pull people apart like jigsaw puzzles and leave them on the floor crying. And I did that to this lady because she was so argumentative and like actually cruel that I just, the, the switch flipped in my head. It would have cost her nothing to just be like, well, here's an email you can send. I, I, she could have even said, like, well, here's an email. I can't promise you that anybody will respond, but here's an email. It would have cost her nothing to give me that opportunity. And not, I'm not, like, salty about this. It's just a story I remember from, my, from the bad old days. But stuff like that still happens. And the and the the like the like direct mirror opposite of this is a character like um the casino owner from um oceans from oceans thirteen um the like Willie Banks character he's an asshole of a boss who just putting who puts pressure on everybody because he can 
But the, the, like, the thing you come away from that film understanding is that if he wasn't, then it wouldn't have been possible for them to pull that. Then, then he wouldn't have gotten his shit stolen so hard because he was essentially an asshole. Or actually an asshole. And when you are nice to people, you give people less opportunity to... You make it... If you're really nice to people, you make it hard for them not to be nice to you back. And I'm not saying be a pushover, but I'm saying that, like... And Miss Yamamoto in, this, in, the, in this show is not a pushover. But she's genuinely kind. And oftentimes, a good... So a good luxury salesperson or a good luxury customer service person, part of their job is to make you feel... It's to make it feel special and to make you feel like cared about and important. And uh, so, like, I... I, I, I've talked about the fact that I collect watches on this show before. But one of the most hilarious things to do is to read the r slash Rolex um, message board on Reddit because it's filled with just the worst customer service stories you've ever heard in your goddamn life. I sell stuff. I sell product at the same level as something like Rolex. I spend... I spend regularly tens of thousands of dollars of my clients' money on furniture. I, I handle money at the level that, like, Rolex handles money. Straight up, that a Rolex AD would handle money. Straight up. If I was ever as shitty as I've heard Rolex authorized dealing dealer agents be to customers, to one of my customers, they would never speak to me again. And what, once again, Pokemon Concierge is very much, its core message is, go on vacation, dumbass. Like, stop working, close your computer, walk into the sea. <laughs> Full on. Um, but, the other thing that I noticed so much is that, like, in order to be, in order to be somebody who can give the kind of services that that um, the Pokemon Resort asks Haru to do, she needs to understand it, and she needs to have that kindness like reignited in her. And it's so clear at the beginning of that show compared to where I stopped watching, which I think was like middle of episode three, is that she hasn't gotten that kindness in a long time. There's a really, there's a really depressing <laughs> anecdote that I think I heard from a TED Talk. And it goes, a guy was walking, a guy who had a really phenomenally bad day, was walking to the brook to the to the San Francisco Bridge to jump off it and kill himself. 
And the entire time he tells himself, if one person stops and says hi to me and says good, or says good morning to me, I won't do it. Because that means that I'm acknowledged by one person. And there's two versions of the story, I think. One is, the more hopeful one is somebody, is some random person says like, oh, good morning. When like, he's walking by and he, it saves him. The other version of the story, of course, is nobody says good morning to him and he jumps off the bridge and dies. And it's recorded in the newspaper, like, the next day. And I know this because I was just in Japan. It is so easy to not speak to somebody there. And it's so easy to not speak to anybody here in America. If I wanted to, and I chose not to do this, because I, I, learned, I learned barely enough Japanese to order at a restaurant for a reason, goddammit. Um, if I wanted to, I could have spent most of my time in Japan going to McDonald's and ordering food on a screen. And I'm sure there are people who do that. When I was in the hotel in Akihabara, many mornings I, every morning except for one because I just, I, I had enough with trying to negotiate breakfast in this country. I had a run of bad breakfasts at hotels. Um, I went down to the Denny's, and you didn't need, you didn't need to talk to anybody. You, they gave you an iPad. You punched in what you wanted on the iPad. It came, and you paid, and you left. It, and there was so much like that. You don't need to. And uh, Kie and Junko both expressed to me like, "Yeah, but if I'm left alone with someone, I have to talk to them," which means that you can super elect not to do that. Now, I absolutely talked to people when I could. It, like, it made my life so much fucking better whenever I got to. There was a bartender in Golden Guy. Um, by the way, if you're ever in Golden Guy and there's a bar that says, come, come in, we're awesome, go to that bar. She speaks fluent English if it's the same, if it's the same woman. She speaks fluent English. Um, but like, that was so much, it was so much fun to like, talk to the other person that's sitting at a bar and talked to her and it was so it was just fun and it added to my life and added to my day but there's so many people who don't who who don't experience that and who the world encourages you not to experience that like I said I could have gone to McDonald's every day in Tokyo and not had to speak to a single human. But I didn't. But you can't always ask people to do that. And the reason why this, why this show I think is important is because it's telling people like, go and experience something different. Go and experience something where you, and they have a great scene where she's trying to get cell phone service. <laughs> And a, and a side character is like, I remember when I was like that. <laughs> I remember when I was so freaked out I couldn't get cell service. I spent that, like a solid out, three hours on the beach putting my phone in different places to try and get a bar of service. I remember when I was that miserable. <laughs> and the transformation even in the episodes that I did watch from her being so attached to the life that got her there 
to what she ends up being like is really what I think the show is trying to say. I don't think that the show is so much trying to say, go on vacation, dumbass. I think the show is trying to say, unplug. Un, unhook yourself from this life that could be making you miserable. Um, and on that note, I'm going to end it here. I will, at some point, I'm sure, do like a dump of this is some of the stuff I saw in Japan, some of the stuff I did in Japan. Um, the thing I will tell you right now is I walked up a whole ass mountain <laughs> to go see, to go see the, the actual Inari shrine. So if you've ever seen pictures of people in front of the like Tory gates, the red Tory gates, that's um, Fushimi, the Fushimi Inari shrine. That is not the money shot, motherfucker, is what I'll say here. That is not the shot that you should be ooing and aahing at. Always, and you can go on my Instagram, and my Instagram is always listed in the um, podcast description. You can see this picture. All the way up at the fucking top of Mount Inari, which takes two hours to get up and another two hours to get back down, um, <laughs> is a beautiful little quiet shrine to Inari, the patron saint of the patron god in Shinto of agriculture and like industry and all kinds of other stuff and and alcohol, and it's beautiful and quiet. And if anybody ever posts a picture of it, it, it means they probably made it the fuck up there. If anybody ever posts a picture of them in front of the gates, you gotta walk like half a block up <laughs> to see that. That's not hard. That's not a hard. That's not a hard picture to take. Um, and also there are thousands of them. I'm not kidding. It's not like a couple. It's not like a couple hundred. It is thousands upon thousands upon thousands of these gates. They never end until they do, and they gotta turn around. You gotta go back through them to go back down. <laughs> there are so. <laughs> There are so many gates now on Mount Inari that you stop taking pictures of them. I know that seems insane, but you stop taking pictures of them because you stop caring because there's so many. Then they all look the same, and they're all one after another, and it's mind-numbing. <laughs> um, but and I probably won't ever do that again, but I'm happy I did it once. I got a little Inari figure that sits on my desk at work to remind me that I did that shit. Um, I was so stiff that I had to take a bath for three nights and, like, overload myself on fucking painkiller. On fucking Advil because I was so aggressively stiff. I thought I had to go to the hospital at one point. Um, but on that note, um, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. And if you like the podcast, um, subscribe to it in whatever you're using to listen to me right now and um, leave a five-star review. It really helps the podcast. Um, you can also share it with friends, especially since I'm back. But even if I wasn't back, there are a couple hundred episodes that anybody can listen to. So um, if you haven't listened to those, definitely go look for a show that you might like. 
um, by searching it using your podcast app. And if I haven't talked about it, I will probably talk about it at some point. Um, but on that note, I will talk to you later. <laughs>